Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello. I actually haven't recorded in a while, so it feels nice to be back. Today, what brought me into the closet is my desire to share two translations of one poem by Anna Akhmatova. One version is translated by Stanley Kunitz and the other by Jane Kenyon. So those are actually both poets whose work have already been featured on this podcast in episodes 1 and 13, and I'm sure you'll hear more of theirs in the future. I have a dream of translating Russian poetry myself someday, if my life and brain cells hold out long enough. Um, At this point, though, I've only done just enough self-study to feel way further from my goal than when I began, so maybe that's a sign that I have learned something. But I've at least gotten very interested in the idea of translation and have thought about it a lot and even read about it. Um, When I spoke of my translating goals to someone, his response was, I've heard Russian poetry and translation is always just going to be like kissing through a shower curtain. And that didn't thoroughly dash my hopes because it does seem like that could be kind of hot. But I know what he meant. Lost in translation is a stock phrase for a reason, and it's easy to feel like something elusive is going to slip out in that process of transferring a poem from one language and culture into another. And this especially applies to art, I think. Directions to the train station can probably be translated pretty smoothly because all you really need is some information that'll get you from point A to point B. But in poems... So much of the art there is in rhythms and sounds and centuries of use adding weight and little explosions of meaning to words for the native speakers. For example, the poem I'm going to read today does rhyme in the Russian, but it doesn't rhyme in either of the two translations that I'm going to share. So is that a loss? I wonder what's lost when a poem goes from rhyming to blank verse. So I have a little book here. I actually have a lot of papers and books here today I'm fumbling around with, but this is a wee little book called A Very Short Introduction to Translation by Matthew Reynolds. And I wanted to read a little part to you where he's talking about where the word translation itself comes from. And he looks at it in many different languages, but the part I'm going to read starts with where he's talking about Latin roots. So please forgive my um, pronunciation and just listen closely for the metaphors here for the things that translation is like when we look at these other roots of where the word came from. This is what he writes. In ancient Rome, the words that almost meant translation had a chewy tang of metaphor. The most common were vertere, the root of the modern English word version, whose dominant meanings were to set spinning or to turn over ground by digging, and convertere, the root of convert, which primarily meant turn upside down and was often used of changes of direction in military maneuvers. Then there was exponere, to open, 
explicare, to unfold, exprimere, to squeeze, redere, to restore, and mutare, to change, or metamorphose. And then he writes that once these Latin roots transferred into Romance languages, there were words like interpretare, which meant to explain or interpret, transfere, to carry from one place to another, and traducere, to bring across. In fact, it's transfere, in its noun form translatio, that was itself brought across to become the English word translation. I'm going to skip a little bit. There's one more thing he said in a 16th century book. An author speaks of translating trees, that is, transplanting them. And that's one of my favorite of these metaphors, the idea of transplanting a work of art from one language and culture into another. So where there wasn't a tree before, now there's a tree. Or maybe where there wasn't a certain poem brought over yet from another language, translation lets that poem be where it wasn't before. So anyway, when I saw this little paragraph with all its metaphors of spinning and digging and turning upside down, opening, unfolding, restoring, changing, interpreting, transplanting, bringing across, I just decided I wasn't going to spend any more time fretting about what might dissolve away in translation, instead just focus on what we gain through translation. And I think I'll show you a couple examples of that today with these poems that I brought. And Akhmatova's poetry, I do believe, is a treasure of human accomplishment, for sure. Her poems are spare. They have this quiet passion and often rooted in nouns. In many ways, her poetry reminds me a lot of Jane Kenyon's in these ways, except they have more of an edge of coldness and bitterness than Kenyon's poetry. But honestly, if Kenyon lived in Russia in the early, early 20th century, her work very well could have had that edge as well. So I'm going to read these two translations of her poem. First, I'll read Kunitz's and then Kenyon's. Really wanted to find a way to give you a chance to notice the differences and similarities between these two, which can be difficult through the ear. I think reading them twice each would be overkill. You can just replay them if you please. But I'm going to ask you to listen very carefully today. So maybe set aside what you're doing for a minute and even close your eyes, unless you're using an axe or driving a riding mower or something. Be safe, folks. But if you can, close your eyes. Just do what you need to do to pay close attention so that your spidey senses can register the shades of difference between these two translations. So first, here's Kunitz's. Heart's memory of sun grows fainter. Sallow is the grass. A few flakes toss in the wind. Scarcely, scarcely. The narrow canals no longer flow. They are frozen over. Nothing will ever happen here. Oh, never. In the bleak sky, the willow spreads its bare-boned fan. Maybe I'm better off as I am, not as your wife. Heart's memory of sun grows fainter. What's this? Darkness? 
perhaps this very night will bring the winter. And here's Kenyon's. The memory of sun weakens in my heart. Grass turns yellow. Wind blows the early flakes of snow lightly, lightly. Already the narrow canals have stopped flowing. Water freezes. Nothing will ever happen here, not ever. Against the empty sky, the willow opens a transparent fan. Maybe it's a good thing I'm not your wife. The memory of sun weakens in my heart. What's this? Darkness? It's possible. And this may be the first night of winter. Hey, if you're still there, I have a little bonus for you. A spontaneous bonus. I found a translation by Audrey Neller of the same poem, and she translated it to rhyme. So I just thought I would read this, because it is interesting. It seems like it's an important choice whether to rhyme or not, and things have to be changed around a little bit in order to choose rhyme. So let me read what she came up with, and you can see for yourself what you think. In the heart, the memory of the sun fades. Yellower turns the grass. The wind disperses the early flakes, barely with each pass. In narrow channels, water won't flow. Cooling stands still. Here, nothing will ever happen, I know. It never will. The transparent fan of the willow unfolds in the empty blue. Perhaps it's best that I'm not, after all, married to you. In the heart, the memory of the sun fades. What, is everything glum? Yes, perhaps, as the night pervades, winter will come. Part of my vision for Take This Poem was to have it be interactive. I imagined it as a virtual bonfire poetry reading, where friends, family, local poets, and you can come together to warm our hands on some poetry. So what would that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could send me a voice recording of you reading a poem to be included in a mailbag poetry reading. Commenting on the poem is welcome, but optional. Don't be shy. It's the only voice you got. What better use for it do you have than reading beautiful words out loud? Also, you could request a poem that you'd like to hear me read and ponder on the show. Or tell me what you've been thinking about these days and I could play literary matchmaker and choose a poem for you. And by the way, I am aware that I have a small but loyal following of youngsters out there and these invitations are all open to them as well. Send any of these or other ideas you have to takethispoempodcast at gmail.com and join me in sharing good poems with this little community. I hope to hear from you soon.